Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 1341, air date October 18th, 2023. Anthony Parker Alexander. Welcome back again, yours truly, Anthony Parker Alexander of Keeping It Honest. We don't just keep it simple. We don't just keep it real. We keep it honest. If you have any questions or comments, you can email yours truly at parkerman2011 at gmail.com. Parkerman2011 at gmail.com. You can text me 216-702-3718, 216-702-3718. little background on yours truly if you're new to this platform. Name is Anthony Parker Alexander. Background, been doing multimedia for years, streaming for couple months and everything. And what we try to do is we try to put things in a Parker twist. We try to get the left side, we try to get the right side, and we try to hopefully let you decide. At the end of the day, you may not like what we tell you, but we're going to tell you the truth. And if you don't like us, then we've done our job. And on this show, I'm very excited. We're going to talk about a person who's, from what I gather, is a person that we really need a lot of people like this. Again, on yours truly, I've run for Congress, not just a journalist, but I'm a person that's run for Congress. And I try to see things that people see out here. So there's this um, thing I want to read, which I do in my commentaries. And it's called The Man in the Mirror. So hopefully this is part of you. If it's not, think about this and make it a part of you. This is by Theodore Roosevelt. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually thrive to do the deeds who knows great enthusiasm, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, excuse me, and who at the worst, if he fails at least, he fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. And this might be applied to the person who I have on the show today. This guy is a, a, a very interesting person. He holds four degrees from MIT. He's a Fulbright scholar. And this is my favorite. He is currently the founder and CEO of Cytosolve Inc. And they find cures, which I'm impressed, from Alzheimer's to pancreatic cancer. We're going to talk about that too. And last but not least, he is also the inventor of email. I welcome to the program, Dr. Shiva Ayadora. How are you doing there? Good to be here, Anthony. Thank you. Nice to meet you, too. So, you you know, you have a, a lot of credentials. If you could describe yourself in one word, what would it be? Uh, I'm a fighter, Anthony. And uh, okay. I believe the mission of life is to fight evil. So that's what most of my life has been. And anything that you've talked about I've achieved, it wasn't something that anyone gave to me. Not only did I have to do that with my hard work, but then I had to later on learn to 
uh, fight for the credit for those things that I created because you find out that there's a lot of evil people in the world who uh, steal people's work, manipulate mm -hmm. history, uh, as we're seeing right now in Palestine. You know, it's the same thing. So there's been a, a thread that has connected me uh, having to fight injustice on a personal level to having to fight injustice, you know, with others collectively. So they're very, very linked to me. So my so, invention, things I created came out of my own personal hard work, but also learning about how systems work. So that's sort of the core DNA of who I am. So now let's talk about what's been happening today then with, with supposedly maybe a current war taking place possibly. Yeah, look, I, I since in 1981, I organized one of the biggest protests against a guy called Mir Kahane, who was a, a rabid Zionist. And when I when I first came to Boston, what's occurring today is that America's on the wrong side of history. And uh, if you really, you know, we send hundreds of billions of dollars of aid to that region. And when you really rationally look at this and you actually look at your you actually look at it in a very uh, rational way and you look at what this country was about, the only conclusion that I come to is we're on the wrong side and we should send military aid to Palestine and we have to defeat Zionism. That's the only conclusion. I'm probably the only presidential candidate who has the courage to say that. No other viable presidential candidate wants to talk about what Zionism is. But if I were president of the United States right now, I would be sending military aid to the Palestinians. It's time we arm the Palestinians to defeat Zionism and we can talk about it's a pretty powerful statement, I'm saying, but we need to understand what is Zionism and why America is on the wrong side. So give me give me um, a, a short description of Zionism. What is it? OK, the simple sentence that I've come up with is Zionism is racism, you know, slash anti-Semitism in the mm -hmm. service of global imperialism, which wants to maximize power, profit and control. Zionism has nothing to do with Judaism and Jews within Israel know this. And, men, and many of the Israeli Jews within Israel, there was a civil war about to take place over the last two weeks before this stuff that Netanyahu, who Satan incarnate, started. So many, many Jews throughout the world can separate Zionism from Judaism. But American Christian Zionists, who have mm -hmm. been made very, very stupid, don't even understand this uh, difference. And they're being manipulated by U.S. Zionist politicians to fund the genocide of a people whose land was actually taken away from them. But Zionism is racism. It is a political ideology that was manufactured by a guy called Theodore Herzl uh, in Europe in the 1800s um, to essentially mislead the European Jews there who actually wanted to fight in Europe um, the forces of discrimination. In fact, there were many, many Jews who were fighters, trade union leaders uh, against Hitler. And Hitler wiped out those guys, and the Zionists actually collaborated with the Nazis to butcher mm. Jews in Europe. And so Americans are so fucking stupid, sorry my language, because of the educational system, they think Zionism is Judaism, but it isn't. Zionism is a political ideology, and you do not have to be Jewish to be a Zionist, period. So who's the fault of, of us today not knowing what the true meaning of Zionism is? That's a good question. Great question. Well, we all know... Uh, it really goes back, if you want to really put a date on it, you know, remember mm -hmm. 1948 is when Israel was um, created by the, literally the thievery of the land of the Palestinians. And starting from 1948 to the consolidation of the Department of Education, which began in 1970, a plan was put forward to spread to all public education that as though the Zionists were the victims and the Palestinians were some, you know, crazy 
you know, less than human, quote unquote, animals, you know, and that was deliberately done by U.S. Zionists who had seized control, not only of the educational system, but also the financial system in this country. So this was deliberately done. And uh, I'm the only one for probably for 40 years of my life who's been not, not only fighting Zionism at a deep level, but also been educating people. Not one United States presidential candidate except me will talk about this because they're all beholden to Zionism. No one, no presidential candidate can get elected unless they, you know, suck up to Zionism. And that's why the American working people are now slaves to Zionism and the financial system that Zionists created. So when you talk about Zionism too, and the, almost like the changing of history, as far as like African-Americans and the books um, and colleges and everything, kind of not putting the bad reality of life in there and kind of smoothing it off. Well, yeah, it's, it's even worse than that. It is absolutely changing history, like the actually simplicity of it, making it quote unquote complicated. Anthony, right. whenever you hear people saying, well, that's a very, it's a much more complicated question. No, it isn't. It's not complicated. Mm -hmm. Palestine, you go look at maps all the way going back to the late 1600s. It says Palestine. There is no Israel there. These people were imported in by British imperialism or British colonialism. In fact, in the sixth Zionist conference, uh, uh, the, the the number one choice was Uganda. Okay, mm -hmm. Uganda was going to be the homeland for the um, quote unquote European Jews. Okay, it was not um, Palestine, and okay. there was a British in an agreement in the Balfour Declaration. And you can see the letter that was sent to Lord Rothschild. It's out there. Everyone can do a little bit of research. Um, it was decided that this region which the Palestinians were living. By the way, Palestinians were Arab Muslims and Arab Jews, okay? There were lots and lots of dark-skinned Arab Jews. By the way, mm -hmm. the European Zionists who came there discriminated against those people. And even still today, if you're not, if you're a non-Ashkenazi Jew, you're treated much less than the Palestinians. But the bottom line is this, to your point, Anthony, that um, the Zionist scholars who, um, quote-unquote scholars, we're in most of academia, they're like mm -hmm. the scribes. They're rewriting history all day long, whether it be the invention of email, whether it be right. Zionism, whether it be African history, because they, because Zionism is racism. It's about one group of people being the chosen people and all the rest of us being dirt. That's what it's about. It's the ultimate form of racism. So what do you think about, since this war has happened, that you have some people that are siding with it? And other people that aren't, you know, that are going to Harvard and saying, yay, you know, for uh, Hamas. Well, they, actually, they, they didn't say yay for Hamas. You see, mm -hmm. that's what the news media. So we have to be clear. Um, Israel is the organization and mm -hmm. Mossad specifically created Hamas. This is okay. very well documented. OK, so those these uh, satanic forces, what they always do is they create their opposition. There were secular forces in Israel for many, many years, secular forces, many, many years, who wanted mm -hmm. to fight Zionism. But it would have been too reasonable, right? It would have been, it would have, right. they would have appeared very rational. So it was Israel and Mossad. Remember, Mossad's uh, motto is, it is through deception we win war. It is through deception we win war. That is their so slogan. <laughs> Pretty much. When, when people, isn't this what we're going through now? How much of this, too, is people's perception? as far as the media and the internet is concerned in America? Well, I don't even think we know what's real on the ground. That's why, you know, we'll talk about our campaign. I believe you have to go, the future is offline. Mm -hmm. um, I would probably say many Americans recognize something is really, really wrong here. 
Um, and it's not, I mean, you could take a poll, as you know, Anthony, and make it whatever right. way you want because you just pay the pollsters off. Okay. All of these people are just driven by money, man. They have no regard for values, for the concept of good versus evil. You give them money and they'll do whatever the hell you want. And I, I'm telling you this from having been at the highest levels of academia, government, et cetera. These people are evil people. What we're witnessing before ourselves, I have to, unfortunately I have to start using these words. It is good versus evil. And if you look yeah. at something, someone like Netanyahu, he's he's Satan incarnate. This guy is absolutely satanic. And so the American, if, you were, yeah. if you were president now and this happened, what would you do? Oh, I would, first of all, cut all military aid to Israel. I would arm the Palestinians. We're, mm -hmm. we're on the wrong side of history. If, mm -hmm. if the founders of the country were here, you know, people like Jefferson and Washington, they would be saying, what the hell are we doing? Right. We're on the wrong side. This is stolen land. We should arm the Palestinians. We are sending, I mean, I don't have, I bring up the chart. We send military aid, economic aid. We send missiles to this little small um, set of Zionists who have no regard even for America, okay? And by the way, Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State of the United States is an Israeli citizen, okay? So our Secretary of State is an Israeli citizen, the head of Homeland Security is an Israeli citizen. You go down the list, uh, the first gentleman, which is Kamala Harris's husband is an Israeli citizen. Okay. What are we running here? Are we running Israel or are we running America? So if you look at it, it is, the Zionists are very, very clever. If you look right now, Anthony, and if, if you go back to 2008, I want to give you three data points, 2008, 2020, and 2023, okay? And I, actually, 2021, too. In 2008, the economy had crashed. Remember, mm -hmm. that was a banking failure. Right. And these, these are the Zionists who run the banks. And who came to rescue? They should have been all wiped out if you truly followed a fair game. If you and I ran a business and we went bankrupt, no one's going to come to help us. But... Mm -hmm. Barack Obama, who claimed he was for black people, actually was a tool of, of Zionism, right? He gave, he completely printed $8.1 trillion and he saved the Zionists on Wall Street. They should have all gone bankrupt. So that was a serious crisis that never got resolved. And then in 2019 and 2020, you know, hundreds of millions of people all over the world were protesting corruption and right. abuse of power. And again, in 2019, 2020, the economy was headed for another crash. So they created a thing called the pandemic as a fake crisis deception. And we printed another $8 trillion in one term. That's what Trump did. And boom, the stock market was going like this and it goes like that. And now we have another impending crisis. They know the stock market is basically, you know, you know, it's like putting a pencil on the tip of a, a table, right? It's completely right. unstable. So they know it too is gonna crash. So they tried Ukraine, then they, put out that they're going to try another pandemic, but people have gotten smart. But right now, they're going to start this war. And that's where Netanyahu was about to be thrown out of power by Israelis. Yeah, yeah. So it was a symbiotic, yeah, it was a symbiotic relationship between him and U.S. Zionists, who are one, say, mm -hmm. okay, we're going to help you out. We're going to support you creating this war, right? And in return, you're going to give us a crisis that we need Zionism needs the Zionists on Wall Street so they can once again print money, you know, as the economy crashes and mm -hmm. get themselves out of it. That's what this is about. You got to follow the money. So, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting because I, I know now Obama's a lot of people are, are talking about that incident. Do you, and you probably agree with me, I guess. 
Do you think circumstances involving this country in a moment of crisis, they can do things to take their mind? It's like a bait and switch. You're worried about this, but then something else comes up with the Wall Street thing, uh, with the war here, with the COVID thing. You think everything is orchestrated pretty much? Well, well, okay, let me just repeat what Mossad, by the way, um, Mossad, MI6, the CIA work very closely together. Think about what Mossad's slogan is, Andy. Mm -hmm. Anthony, right? The slogan is, through deception, thou shalt win war. Okay? Mm -hmm. So it's by the way, the Satan, the devil, tells you to your face how he's going to behave. And people say, well, did he really say that? No, that's what he said. It, it's, it's very clearly written in black and white that um, uh, Mossad's, uh, which is, by the way, to people who don't know, they are the intelligence agency of Israel. Their slogan is, you know, through deception, thou shalt win war. Through deception, thou shalt win, win war. So when they're telling you that, you, you better be ready to understand what is truth and what is lies. And right. in order to get to that, you need a uh, you need to uh, build a set of wisdom, a set of principles that will help you understand this. And that's why the science of systems allows up. Yeah. So Mossad's motto is by way of deception, thou shalt do war. OK, by way of deception, thou, thou shalt do war. Let me put it up for our viewers here. I just found it here. Um, that's OK for you, Andy. Anthony. Okay. And and, yeah. and and then how right do here. you See, get the truth? By way, by way of deception, thou shalt do war. And it was Hamas, which was created by Mossad. And Brigadier General Yitzhak Segev in the 80s is the one who began financing them. And if people go through this thread, they'll see all the evidence here that I've shared with people. Ron Paul on the floor of the Senate many, many years ago said U.S. you know, and Israel created Hamas. And here is the head of these um, of Mossad, Yossi Cohen. Um, a couple mm -hmm. of years ago, he was in Qatar saying to having the Qataris continue to fund Hamas. All right. So this is pretty black and white. Yes, there is deception. Um, uh, but and, I, and, I, and, I do the deception. But they use it to bring it out to open up your eyes. Oh, how do we open up people's eyes? Yeah. We do exactly what we're doing right now. Okay. We and and I, I can tell you too for, for running for office. I said I ran for um, for Congress. And it was just me, myself. It is hard to find people who believe in the things that you believe in, you know. But all you gotta do, and I tell people this too, you have people believe that you're there for them, and they'll suck it up and they'll follow you, whether it's Obama, whether it's Trump, whether it's Hitler where there's anybody, all people want to know is that you care for them. And if it doesn't affect them, they don't care. So now with this war going on, I'm going to talk to you as an African-American male. How would you talk to me about this war? Because it ain't affecting me. Prove to me that it is affecting me. Well, it's very simple, Anthony. And by the way, you know, I, I, you know, when I first came to the United States, I grew up in Patterson, you know, and then in Newark, right? Mm -hmm. um, but so... Here's the reality. Um, let's follow the money. In the mm -hmm. United States, the civil rights movement, which before it was hijacked again by the Kennedys and the Zionists, the call of the civil rights movement was to ensure that there was, you know, obviously civil rights, but also infrastructure in the inner cities. That's what people like Malcolm X were asking for. Infrastructure, meaning so black people could stand up on their own without, they could be self-reliant. 
Infrastructure. Well, infrastructure requires money and capital, right? You have to give up something. The bougie elites didn't want to do that. Um, so, you know, they hijacked the civil rights movement, Kennedy, right? They squashed down people like Malcolm X. They elevated people like Martin Luther King. And it all ended up becoming about affirmative action, all right? Uh, which was a necessary thing as a reform, but it didn't really address the fundamental things. But they didn't want to spend the money on infrastructure, which would have mm -hmm. really the lives of people for that matter for, and this has been proven over and over again. And I identify with this because, you know, when I grew up in India, I grew up in a caste system, which is, a, which is worse than racism on some, some levels. So it's infrastructure, but infrastructure means you have to spend money, all right? So if you take the average congressperson or the average senator, what is a congressperson's term in the United States Senate? Two years, right? The day yep. they get into the Senate, the immediately they're thinking about how to get reelected. That's what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, same thing with a senator, but particularly a congressperson. So there are three buckets of the economy. One bucket is, you know, sort of safety, right? Um, mm -hmm. Ensuring. You know, one is equity, making sure people have enough money and housing and welfare and those kind of things. And the third is infrastructure. So if you take the $5 trillion budget, these people are elected to Congress who only have a two-year term, and then the senators are mm -hmm. making decisions about where to put our tax dollars. Remember, their goal is to get reelected. So right. where do they typically put the money? You find out they choose a low-hanging fruit. Okay, I'm going to give you free money, like Bernie Sanders. I'm going to give you free mm -hmm. money. They don't put the money into the long term which they're not gonna see the fruits of, which can right. be taken to 10 year projects, which are infrastructure. You go to countries like China and other places, Russia, they're massively putting infrastructure in. So in the United States, what, what has happened is in the, in the black and African-American countries, there is no real infrastructure. So if anything they do is cosmetic. All right, so, so how is that connected to war, okay? War, we know, serves the elites, weapons manufacturers. So. And that's a short-term thing you can do to put massive amounts of money out. So since 2008, the United States government has, uh, has started this policy called quantitative easing. Simply put, it means we're gonna print money. Print money because the financial system of our Zionist friends is really running on fumes. Okay. And, and for the last 70 years, 60 years, we never put money into infrastructure, into the inner cities, because if we did, we'd have more educated youth, we'd have vibrant innovation, right, et cetera. So they're caught like in a habit trail. So they have to create a crisis. Then they have to resolve that crisis with printing money. And who suffers are everyday African-American people in the inner cities and poor white working folk. But so we also, have to, we also have to understand the predominant set of the army is poor blacks and poor whites. Who's gonna right. go fight these wars for people on a much more fundamental level? So in the, in the um, civil rights era, and I'm gonna give my theory after I, after I say this. Civil Rights Act passed. What was all of this about money? And, oh, I'm gonna give my theory now. This is me. I've, I've always felt this. Um, that the Civil Rights Act was passed to pacify African-Americans. Because my theory was, it could be wrong, that, you know, let's say White House and, 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 and politicians are like, you know what, these African-Americans are making too much noise. We gotta do something. What are they asking for? Well, let's help them out. Let's pass that Civil Rights Act and that will quiet them down. And I technically, because after after I came a little bit after that generation, that, you know, that um, equal employment and everything. And my thing was the African-Americans who got the rights passed, that got those jobs, they didn't come back and help me. 
and my and my time. Because it's like, you know, where are some of those those African Americans that were there where you say, boy, they they really fought for us. They 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 helped us. And I still think it's like anybody arguing or asking for something. Well, let's give them this to quiet them down and maybe they won't say anything else. So now you're talking money too. How much of this was a was a possible money thing? Yeah, so Anthony, the phenomenon that you just described is called releasing the safety valve. It's which means you have as as a bottoms-up movement takes place, which is what our whole movement for truth, freedom, health is about. The only way to change the world is building this bottoms-up movement. But whenever a bottoms-up movement came up, the roar of the masses, the elites got very, very clever. Before they used to just shoot them, okay, in cold mm -hmm. blood, like, like you see happening in Gaza. The other model is that you create fake leaders. You create people who talk a good game, right? Martin Luther King and the Kennedys were chosen for that. And you suppress real leaders like Malcolm X. And the third piece of this is to throw the masses a bone mm -hmm. to quiet them down. You create a safety valve. So that's precisely what happened with the civil rights movement. We also have to remember there were a lot of poor whites in that movement, places in Appalachia, who were coming together with black people. Um, Malcolm X's speech that he gave two weeks before he was executed was, I believe there will be a uh, there will be a fight against right, uh, but it will mm -hmm. not be you know the it will be the oppressed versus uh, those who are oppressing them, and it will not be based on the color of the skin. Malcolm gave that speech, and two weeks later he was executed because he was going to mm -hmm. unite poor blacks and poor whites, working people. And that became too dangerous. And if you look at Malcolm X's model, it was about building infrastructure, right? People able, able to be self-reliant, not on people sucking on the titty all day. And that's what the Kennedys wanted. Robert Kennedy, right? And now we have Booby Epping Kennedy, another fraud. His father was, a, was the one who was bugging all the civil rights leaders. Right. And they decided to use Martin Luther King because he had a lot of stuff in his closet, you know, that they could use against yeah. him. Malcolm could not be controlled. Martin Luther King could be controlled. So they created, they hijacked the civil rights movement and the real uh, fundamental issues were never addressed and ultimately pitted blacks against whites. And that was by design, Anthony. So, and do you think with Dr. King, right before he got assassinated, wasn't he kind of saying, okay, well, you know what? Um, maybe let's give financial freedom. Was he on a verge? Yeah. Want to yeah, but... Yeah, so 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 here's the deal, right? So the again, another nuance of the elites that I've observed is they are the ones who decide who they will put in the public eye to be quote unquote mm -hmm. leader, right? right? Like you saw this idiot Russell Brand. All of the people that are acting like they're against this or this on social media are all grifters, and they get mm -hmm. a lot of attention, like Booby Effing Kennedy or Tulsi Gabbard, another right. war monster, right? So they choose who they're going to put up there, act like the opposition. Step one. If those people step out of line a little bit, Anthony, they get a double whammy. Right. They either execute them or they um, um, revile them, but they make them the fake martyrs. You see? So right. it's, very, it's very clever. So you choose who's going to be the misleader. And then so the masses follow them, be it King or the Kennedys, whoever. Right. And then if they step out of line because you have so much crap on them, they had a lot of stuff on. Kennedy, uh, I mean, uh, in this case, uh, Martin Luther King, you mm. know, his drug usage, his adultering ha habits, they were they could release it, just like with right. any of these guys. They always get people who are the scummiest people. So they keep them on a golden leash with that. But if those people have any conscience and they step out of line, the next step that they do is make them the martyrs, you see? Because they don't want the real leaders ever being the true martyrs. So they confuse people both ways, Andy. It's very clever. 
Anthony. And just letting everybody know you're um, watching, keeping it honest with yours truly, Anthony Parker. We're talking to Dr. Shiva. And I don't know if I mentioned or not, but he's also running for um, president of the United States. So you're, you're running as an independent because you don't trust Democrat Republicans? Well, I mean, look, uh, in 2018, I ran as an independent. Our slogan was declare mm -hmm. your independence, which, by the way, Booby F. and Kennedy has stole, stolen our slogan. Okay. Okay? But uh, I did give the Republicans an opportunity in 2020, Anthony. We ran. We won that election, the primary, and they stole the election from us. All the data is in black and white. I did a major lawsuit. We, in the middle of the lawsuit, the reason I was thrown off Twitter was because I exposed that the government of Massachusetts had deleted ballot images. When you put a ballot, paper ballot through a machine, it creates an image. Right. And by law, you have to preserve that for 22 months. When I questioned the results of my election and I said, you deleted ballot images, I was thrown off Twitter. In that lawsuit, we also discovered that the government has a backdoor portal into all the social media companies and they can control them. I discovered that. Not Tucker Carlson, not Elon <laughs> Musk. This was done in 2020 by me. People like Glenn Greenwald, people like Tucker Carlson concealed that. <laughs> because they didn't want to give credit to the guy who actually discovered it two years ago because we could have done something about it. So um, that's when I realized, you know, I gave these morons a chance. We're going to go back to being independent. So yes, our campaign, Shiva numeral four president.com is a campaign. Uh, our slogan is declare your independence, which is Kennedy has stolen that because the Zionists have realized that they need Kennedy to fill the vacuum to manipulate people. Right. So they're going to run him as an independent against me. So, so, but yeah, we're running as independents. So with that, the, the, the backdoor thing with, with Twitter and everything, which you, you've talked about, um, Donald Trump's election, was it stolen? Well, let me put it to you this way. It's not Donald Trump's election was stolen. It's all mm -hmm. of these elections are selections, okay? Mm -hmm. If Donald Trump's election was stolen, what we have to recognize is why was he put in power? You see, it leads to a much more fundamental question. So all the Trump tards who don't understand this is saying, oh, my God. Yeah. So I've shown that elections are selections of the United States. OK, okay. With the work I did on signature verification, work, the work I did on the ballot image. There are fundamental issues, Anthony, that are, can be used to manipulate these elections. That's on Election Day. Right. But the real election fraud becomes comes two to three years before all of the elections take place, which is who do you even decide? who gets visibility on mainstream media. You see, the elections are selected by who you choose to give visibility. By the right. time they come to election day, it's like, you know, they're just doing fine tweaks, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like a watchmaker. He's just doing fine little tweaks at the end to make sure everything works, right? But what parts he put into play, who he puts on the stage are all decided. That is the election fraud. So the issue is why was Trump put into power? So if you believe elections are selections, which they are, mm -hmm. why was Trump selected the first time? And then the second time, why was he not selected? Right. Why was Obama selected? Right. If you go back to, um, you know, 2000, uh, the broad mass of uh, uh, blacks, whites, brown people hated the Bushes. Yeah. So they needed to uh, renew people's trust in this thing called government. OK, so they found this black guy, Obama. They mm -hmm. did a big message, hope. He was back ended by one of the wealthiest families in Chicago called the Pritzkers. So overnight, this one-term senator is made a hero overnight. Right. He shut down people's throat. In fact, 60% of people who voted for Trump in 2016 did, 
voted for Obama. Okay, very, very important to understand 2008, sorry, not 2000. So Obama is selected, he gets to run the country, he claimed he was gonna go after the bankers, et cetera, but he was a perfect face that they needed to act like he was gonna go to the bankers. So people, we let down our arms and what did he do? He saved all the bankers in right, 2000, right. right? That's what he did. So now you have poor white working class people, 50, again, 57% of people voted for, uh, white people voted for Obama, people mm -hmm. who voted for Trump. So now they mm -hmm. need a new theater character. So they find this guy, Donald Trump, who's a right. massively failed businessman, who's a doofus, and I've had multiple meetings with Trump, okay? Trump's balance sheet, if you people know to study the balance sheet, he had $1 billion in assets, $2 billion, $2.5 billion in debt. You're not mm -hmm. running a good business, okay? Right. You're negative $1.5 billion, that's your equity. Okay, so the bottom line is they found this guy who owes a lot of money, who's been bailed out by the Zionists. Mm -hmm. And anyone can go do their own research. Everything I'm saying is backed up by actual data. Trump was backed up by Zionists. Then he brings into the White House his Zionist son-in-law, mm -hmm. Jared Kushner, who goes to the Arab Zionists, the Saudis, and gets a $2 billion loan for himself, an interest-free loan on the backs of the American people. So Trump was also selected. So the issue is, as I've shown with my work, elections are selections. They can manipulate the election on election day, but they can also manipulate it who gets visibility, which is what they're doing right now. And, so, and, and my thing that, I, that I've seen, and you, you got the Democratic Party, <laughs> you got Biden up here, and, and you got Williamson way down there. And my thing is, through all of that, there hasn't been any other viable candidates that want to run for president. I mean, you got Biden and you got Williams. Well, you had Kennedy too. You had, you, you had the criminal Kennedy. Now, you know, um, independent. But even Power then, Kennedy. you don't have anybody who says, hey, I want to try to make a difference. Well, you know why, right? Anthony, you know why, right? All of these people go to the same clubs. They hang mm -hmm. out at the same things. Marianne Williamson is also a bloody idiot, okay? I remember having mm -hmm. dinner with her when Trump was running. And... Uh, she was profusely defending Hillary Clinton at that dinner, okay? So she just has a shtick where she acts like she's some new age idiot, but she's a bloody idiot, okay? She's part of them. She loves the Clintons, okay? Uh, and they're all part of anything she does to run is actually just for publicity, right? Maybe she's gonna sell yeah. some more of her books, but it's not a real campaign. And and, and, I, and since you, you, you talk conspiracies and you, you're giving your opinion, so this is good, so I, I have another, I was talking to uh, Dr. West and you know, it was a time around Bernie. And I, I told him, because you know, Dr. West is very cool and calm, he loves everybody. And I told him, I said, well, you know what? If I had my best friend, one of my best friends tell me to drop out of the race that I myself was in and he's gonna support, you know, the other group, I'd be a little bit ticked off, you know? So I told him, I said, you know, Democratic Party, how do we know they didn't say, hey, you know what, Bernie? You know, why don't you go talk to Cornell? Because he's kind of getting on our nerves as far as what he's trying to do. Well, it, it, was, it, was, it was interesting because I'm like, you know, the more I see political things, um, people are sold out. OK, to find honest people that you think are really honest, that's that's hard to find. Because, I mean, you're not selling a book or anything, right? Because everybody comes on these shows, they're always selling something. So we'll put it out there now. 
Are you pretty much selling anything? Yeah, I'm selling something. It's called human uh, liberation. Okay. What, I'm, what I'm selling is, you know, I realize that, um, look, I, to me, this is an extension of what I've been doing since I was a four-year-old kid, Anthony, right? Mm -hmm. I grew up in the caste system of India. The caste system is racism on steroids. You're, <laughs> it's openly said that if you're born into this family, you're all you have to be is a carpenter. You have to just be a dust, or you have to pick coconuts. It's, it's called a caste system. I'm not sure if you're mm -hmm. familiar with this. So the caste system I was brought into and I endured was that we were supposed to be coconut pickers all day long. Okay. Mm -hmm. My yeah. parents broke out of that and then made it to the United States are very extraordinary people. So the issue is I, as a four-year-old kid, when I witnessed this caste system, got very, very enraged and wanted to understand how you liberate people. I studied since four to the age of 20, I probably studied every book on left wing, right wing, all kinds of revolutionary leaders. I studied mm -hmm. revolution. So um, when I came to MIT, which was a very weird way I made, made it there, um, I studied system science, right? I wanted to understand how systems work. So for 30 years, I studied systems. And in 2007 is when I was able to interconnect the world of systems from the Eastern world to the Western world and realize that there's a fundamental science that you can understand every system in the universe. Mm -hmm. And without that understanding, we as people are never going to be able to liberate ourselves because the elites actually understand that system science. I said, teach it at MIT, okay? George okay. Soros, all the elites understand system science. So I decided the only way, so to me, this has been a long journey. How do we shatter the swarm as I call it? How do we actually okay. deliver truth, freedom and health to people? So that resulted in my decision that the only way the world can change is not through top-down leaders, that each one of us has to be a catalyst. So each person can become a leader if they want to in their local communities. Because you have one leader, he gets executed, right? If he becomes a threat, yeah. like Malcolm X, right? What we have to do is we have to teach people how these systems work, how the deception works, and what one individual can do to raise their consciousness. So that's what I'm selling, if anything. So okay. it's not selling because, you know, you, you'll find me on the streets handing out flyers. I've been doing that since 1980. Okay. So right. the issue is um, um, that's what we need to do. That's what I'm selling. You know, my run for president is an extension of what I've been doing on the ground for 40 years of my life. And I recognize that the only way someone like me could get ever elected president is by a movement. It is movements that change the world. Mm -hmm. So if you, think <laughs> about, if you think about Bernie, just to comment on what you just said about Bernie, mm -hmm. in 1984, um, I learned a big lesson. I was about 18 years old and I saw a lot of very, very idealist young people. We thought this guy, Jesse Jackson was going to be anti-establishment, right? He was running right. in a third party or it was unclear. He's building a movement called the Rainbow Movement. And the two mainstream candidates at that time were Ronald Reagan and Walter Mondale. Mm -hmm. And and a and lot of people he suckered in, um, Jesse Jackson, right? And at the right. last minute, he gives all of his votes to Mondale saying, oh, we have to choose the lesser of two evils. And that's when I realized that both wings of the establishment also have their not so obvious establishment wings. So like Bernie Sanders of the Tea Party, right? right? So and that's how you kind of compare these two, I guess. What's that? That's how you kind of compare these two, Bernie Sanders and um, Jesse Jackson? Well, Bernie Sanders is a, is a Jesse Jackson of the modern times, right? His job right. is to talk a big game, blah, blah, blah. But at the last, so basically they're like a fly trap, right? Talk a big, mm -hmm. big game. 
So the people are really angry. They think Jesse or they think Bernie's going to do something and then sucker them. But I learned that lesson when I was an 18 year old kid. So when okay. Jesse, when uh, Bernie was running against uh, Hillary, a very good friend of mine um, was his national coordinator in New England. And she came mm -hmm. to my house. She said, Shiva, you're against the establishment. You've got to vote for Bernie. I go, look, Laurie, Bernie's going to do the exact same thing to uh, as he did to all of you guys. He's going to give all of his votes to Hillary Clinton and he's going to hug her. I predicted this. Okay. <laughs> and she goes, no, no, no. You're an asshole. You're always against everybody. You know, mm -hmm. that's what people say when they don't want to go through the arguments. Right. And she walked out of my house. Never heard from her for two years later. And two mm -hmm. years later, she was very apologetic, crying on the phone. She goes, I got used. I worked my butt off. And Bernie did exactly what you said. I said, yeah, because you don't understand the dynamics of how these people work. There's a system dynamics. And had you let go of your ego and listened to me, you wouldn't have wasted two years of your life. You would have helped mm -hmm. us build this movement, right? But you just wasted your life. And Cornell West didn't say anything then. Either Cornell's freaking stupid, right. but they mm -hmm. the elites bring out Cornell once in a while. He's got his hair. He does his thing. He's right. there token radical, okay? And they put him back in the closet. So I'm shocked that Cornell, it took him all this time. I don't know how old he is. It took him 60, 70 years to figure yeah. out Bernie has always been with the Democrats. You see, that's misleading. If you, I mean, once you understand the system dynamics, it's obvious who Bernie is. With, with um, Jesse Jackson, because I was around that age where, you know, we have African-American and Rainbow Collision. So he exactly. was... He was the, the Obama back then because at that time he had 18-year-olds, you know, wanting to vote. Right. You think about Obama. And I always said this about, about Obama, too. He had that, yes, we can, that thrill. After those first two years, it changed. Where were all those people that followed Obama out here running now? And a lot of people that, that fell in love with Bernie. And the thing is, I think, I don't know if it's going to hurt you guys who are independent because people rallied behind Bernie. And Bernie hurt people's heart and he made people less believe in political politicians. That, is it. that, was, that was his job. Look, mm -hmm. here, here's the job. Here's the job of Bernie. Here's the job of people like Rand Paul. Here's the job of people like Booby fucking Kennedy. Here's the job of people like Tulsi Gabbard. And they have about 10 of these people. Okay. Right. They're, so they have the obvious establishment, the obvious establishment, people who you know are fascists and scumbags, mm -hmm. the Bushes and the Clintons. Mm -hmm. But the United States Zionist financial and economic political system cannot work unless they have these fly traps, okay? Traps. Mm -hmm. And these traps that they have are people like Booby Kennedy, Tulsi Gabbard, yeah. Bernie Sanders, Jesse Jackson, the people who talk a good game. They teach mm -hmm. them how to talk a good game. Right. So people come to them and they think elections are what make change the world. That is their job, Anthony. Mm -hmm. It is a... It, it is a deceptive technique. So all of these people think, oh, all I got to do is once every two or four years, mm -hmm. you know, go to a voting booth. They don't bother yeah. building a movement. And in fact, the same deceivers like Kennedy and Jesse Jackson and, and Bernie Sanders will use the word movement, mm -hmm. but to suffocate the real movement that we're building, the movement for truth, freedom, health, which is about educating the individual to become their own leaders, that no leader top down can change anything. At best, I can be a catalyst. I can inspire people, educate people. But mm -hmm. the individual ultimately has to raise their own consciousness. They have, to, they have to understand, wow, there's the obvious establishment. And then there's the not so obvious establishment mm -hmm. that keeps creating safety valves that they did in civil rights, like they did in India. Gandhi was a scumbag. He mm 
He was created by the British elites to manipulate the Indian people so they didn't have a good violent militant revolution and overthrow the elites. That's what they wanted. So they do not want a real revolution taking place, a real phase transition. So they create these scumbags who talk all the right words to as fly traps to connect people. And those people bring people right back into the establishment. That's why I think we had a, a, a big opportunity, Anthony. Let me tell you why. Because Zionism is a clear line in the sand. Mm -hmm. It's a very clear line. And it's an opportunity. Do you support Zionism or not? And this way they can't dilly-daddle. Booby effing Kennedy can talk all the nonsense he wants, or same with Bernie Sanders, but they all are Zionists. I'm the so, only viable presidential candidate who's not a Zionist. So is there anybody out there politically that you admire or you say they're okay, they're kind of doing their job, they're fighting the yeah. battle? Yeah, definitely. No. Big time. No, I do. Well, I got to ask you about AOC then. No, no, no. no. Let me tell you. Let me know. You asked me who I admire, right? Uh-huh. I admire you. Okay. Okay. I admire mm -hmm. the people on the stream who are waking up. Why mm -hmm. are we? We don't have to admire all these people. Let me tell you why. Every single one of them on November 16, 2018, voted for the creation of CISA. Mm -hmm. Trump signed CISA into law. Every member of Congress and every member of the Senate unanimously voted for CISA. Mm -hmm. What is CISA? CISA was a law that was put into effect on November 16, 2018, which destroys the First Amendment. The First mm -hmm. Amendment says Congress shall pass no law that abridges freedom of speech. CISA is a cybersecurity infrastructure security agency, which created that backdoor portal to wow. silence people like me. Okay. So all of them voted for them. The only people we can honor and trust is people like you and people of everyday people, Anthony. We have to build a bottoms up movement. So the question is, yes, I am critical of quote unquote, all of these people, but the, all of these people are like 10 people. There's 8 billion of us. Right. So people say, well, you're, Dr. People say, Dr. Shiva, you're always so critical. Yeah, you have to be critical. You have to be highly critical of these people who have access to media and power. Look at what they've done with that power. They've done so nothing for everyday people. Is technology good or is it bad? And then we'll get into the, the email thing, which is interesting. But today, I mean, how do you control the, 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 the right information or get people to the right information? Well, it's a great question you're asking, Anthony. The issue is it's not technology is a tool, right? It's like asking if a plow is bad, right? Mm -hmm. It's asking like, is a steam engine bad, right? It's asking if um, email is bad or good, right? Mm -hmm. The issue is who controls these technologies? This is a fundamental question. Who controls them? Who has access um, to how they're used? All right. That's the fundamental question. And what you realize is that technology does not solve human problems. In fact, it creates human problems. In fact, it helps consolidate power. So I'll give you, since we want to talk about email, let me start with the printing press. When the printing mm -hmm. press was created, many, many human beings were like, awesome. We get the printing press. I could print a book. You could print a book, right? We could print flyers. We could fight those in power. However, what ended up happening over time, a very powerful technology, who ended up owning the printing presses? Four major publishers in the United States, four major mm -hmm. publishers, right? So if you wrote a great book, Anthony, and you wanted to get it out, you would then need an agent. Your agent yeah. would have to collaborate with one of those publishers. And that's how you got your word out. You can, and now you can do self-publishing, but it's a much harder model, right? Yeah. yeah. Now, now go to the internet. The internet, um, which was this concept of decentralized computers, right? That you could use a protocol 
and you could send communications, um, you know, um, bits of information, uh, or even go back to when Morse code was created, but we started creating electrical devices, putting wires between them or wireless and we could communicate. Well, when that came out, when the internet came out in 1993, um, I wrote a, in fact, I wrote a book called Arts and the Internet because a lot of my friends are artists and I said, wow, great, the internet is gonna help right. all these people reduce the cost of, they won't need their agents, right? They can go direct. But what ended up happening was there was consolidation of that technology. People mm -hmm. got lazy. They didn't want to create their own websites. Everyone created Facebook pages, created okay. videos on YouTube, right? Um, uh, and what ended up happening was four major social media companies now control the internet because right. they're the gatekeepers. Now yeah. in 1997, transitioning to email, something profound occurred. I was running, I my first venture into email was inventing email as a 14 year old kid in Newark, New Jersey, a predominantly African-American community. Okay, that's where email came out of, helping secretaries go from the typewriter to the keyboard. That's each origin of email, period. Well, right. so I had my experience with email from 1970 to 1993. In 1993, what, what people need to recognize when the World Wide Web came, email no longer was just an office application. Many mm -hmm. people know before 93, we had emails, but we there were inner office email communications. When the web came, email went from being an office application to being a consumer application. So you had companies like Hotmail and AOL and Yahoo, hey, right? Now, 1997 is a very important date to answer your question about technology and email is that that is a date when email volume overtook um, postal mail volume, okay? Email volume exceeded the amount of postal mail, snail mail. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was running a different company. I'd won a competition to help the White House automatically analyze and route email um, when I was a PhD student at MIT. And I was running a company to automatically read email and route it for customer service applications. And I, um, I went to the postal service and I said, you know what? I said, we're in a very dangerous time. You guys by the founders of the United States were deemed with ensuring every American could have free speech and free reach. That means, right? That's why the Postal Service was created in 1787, that you and I could send a letter for the same amount of money. Okay. And the Postal Service was actually protected by a police force, which ensured that if I sent you a communication, Anthony, and if someone interfered, it was a 20 year sentence in prison. So the Postal okay. Service was created by Franklin to make sure Americans could have free speech and free reach, mm -hmm. right? But what happened with these private companies was they had created email. And most people didn't bother reading the, the, um, the statements on these uh, terms and conditions. Yeah. And the terms and conditions of that were that they own your email. The Postal Service doesn't own your letters. Right, and right. email volume exceed, exceeded postal mail volume. So I went to the heads of the Postal Service and I said, look, you guys must create a public version of email that would be under the laws of the United States. If anyone right. interfered, it's a 20 year sentence in prison. They said, get out of here, you little kid. Not in those <laughs> words, I was 22 years old, 29 okay. years old, we don't know about the postal service. We're bigger than Walmart. We're, right. We don't want to be in this email business. Right. And I showed them that they can make a ton of money. You know, I, I believe Americans have paid about $20 a year to have their emails protected by the constitution. Yeah. In 2011, Anthony, is when um, the Postal Service announced us about 18 years later that they're going out of business. Mm -hmm. This front page of the Wall Street Journal, and I gave a scathing article um, to Time Magazine. I said, these guys are idiots. 
their job is to provide free speech, free communication platforms, right? That's what the yeah. Postal Service is. So the Inspector General of the Postal Service hired me and I wrote a two, a commissioned me to write two reports, but I, which I showed in gross detail how they could make money and protect the free speech of the American public. They didn't do anything about it. So it's not technology that's gonna save the world, it's policies, it's policies. And the policies of the swarm, the policies of the Zionists are always to take any good technology and enslave people with that technology. So that's what's happened with email. Email now is owned by private companies. When you use Google, Google yeah. owns your email. All these companies own that content. It's not like you said it. Yeah. What's that? So we, we, I said, we don't know that until, you know, somebody says it. So being 14 years old and you're creating email. So were you a, a nerd, a, a geek growing up? Where did you get to the point where, you know, you lived in Bombay and you came to America and you're creating email? I mean, who yeah, does that? Yeah, a good question. Yeah, I, th I think typically people ask me this question in the beginning, but I think it's a good way to sort of close it. But yeah, let me let me give you my journey. Mm -hmm. um, right, so I was born in India in 1963, December 2nd, 1963. I left India on December 2nd, 1970, literally on my seventh birthday, okay? Mm -hmm. um, and my parents, you know, we grew up in this caste system in India. We knew that the future was getting out of India and America offered a lot more opportunities. When I landed in Kennedy Airport, it took us three days to get in those days to the United States, Anthony. Um, I was wearing shorts. I didn't know it was, I, I've never seen winter. I didn't even know what snow was. Right. And it was this light, beautiful snow that was coming down as I was getting off, um, you know, those uh, on the TWA flight on those stairs. And um, very nice um, um, couple, an African-American couple in Patterson, that's where we settled, came uh, with my father and they took us to the Salvation Army because we didn't have any clothes. Some people don't know Salvation Army is like a thrift store. We got all of our winter clothes. So I, I initially uh, grew up in Patterson, which is still one of the poorest cities in the United States. And my parents re really believed in education. And that was instilled into us, like education is the way you liberate yourself. You know, you're a slave if you don't get educated. So my, we lived in Patterson and went, whatever money my parents would make. And by the way, my dad, who was a very smart engineer, would always get paid one third less than his white counterparts. OK. OK. Uh, but that's, you know, uh, what it was in those days. But then so my parents next town that they moved to was a, a town that was a working class town of blacks and whites called Clifton, New Jersey. And then we stayed there until fourth grade. And then we moved to another town called Persephone, which had a little bit of a better school system, all public schools. Okay. My parents never afforded, could never afford it. My mom was very against private schools, just on the elitist notion. She was very principled. Okay. And then we, um, uh, so uh, at the age of 14, to give you an idea, I was a star pitcher. I could have, many people said okay. I could have gone to the major leagues. I could throw fastball. I was a shortstop. I was on the all division in all of New Jersey, number one division, the high school that won um, uh, undefeated stock and soccer. You know, I was center mm -hmm. half. So um, my father believed that you have to be mind and body. You don't just be a nerd. You have to be both. Yeah, so I was a very good athlete, you know, soccer, baseball, tennis. I could, um, and I was a hard worker. You know, I worked my mm -hmm. butt off. Um, mm -hmm. I would, you know, play, uh, do do my sports and come home at about 8 p.m. 
And between 8 p.m. and 2 a.m., I would do math problems, you know? Um, and so in eighth grade was a big transition point because a year before Anthony, in seventh grade, I had gone off to India again. My grandmother was um, dying of, uh, was dying. And you have to understand mm -hmm. my other grandmother in India was a village healer. Right, she was a, right. was a shaman, okay? My grandmother could look at your face. She could predict what's going on in your mm -hmm. body. She learned all these ancient medical sciences, all right? So I had learned about medicine. I had learned about the caste system. So, you know, 1975, 76, I go back to India to visit my grandparents. And that's when I realized, that's when everything hits me, Anthony, politically, even mm -hmm. starker, like, wow, here I'm in this village where there's no roads, there's no running water, right? right? And here, you know, you walk around with your bare feet and that my grandparents are very, very poor. You know, my grandmother would plant rice in the, in the rice fields. She would come home mm -hmm. with leeches on her legs, right? These are very poor people. That's when I realized, oh my God. Yeah. America and the United States are so, or India are so different that yeah. I, in the next two weeks, I'll be going back to that world, America. And I will have right. all these luxuries that my grandparents will never have. My aunt lived in a little 10 foot by 10 foot hut, right? So that's when something in me, and I don't know where it came from. I think it came from a message from God said, you better do something with your life. You better not mm -hmm. be a parasite. And it was very deep, Anthony. And I remember leaving the, the train station, the caboose train station, looking out the window, my grandparents, great love. They're crying. I'm crying because I know I may not see them for a long time. And, but this thought descended from the top mm -hmm. of my head to my whole body. I can't describe it. I can still feel it. It said, you better do something with your life to help these people, help all people. So when I got back, I decided I was gonna be a great student, you know, like the best, like I was in athletics. So by the eighth grade, um, by the ninth grade, I had finished calculus. I had a very interesting teacher who let us go as fast as we wanted. So I blew past algebra, I blew past trigonometry, algebra one and two, but calculus was only offered to the seniors, mm -hmm. right? In the, in the 12th grade, but I finished it by ninth grade. And so my wow. high school had no more no more math courses to offer me. And lo and behold, my mom, who was, again, very, very enterprising, very smart, worked her butt off in addition to being a great mother. Mm -hmm. A friend of hers had given a little news clipping of an article that came out in the Washington Times, which is a little newspaper in New York. Okay. okay. And, then, and the newspaper article said that there was a professor at NYU who had gotten some money from the, from the National Science Foundation to select 40 students across the entire United States in a competitive selection process, then we would be allowed to go to NYU, the Corant Institute of Mathematical Sciences, which is one of the most preeminent institutions in the world. And, and these 40 students would get an intensive, like a Navy SEAL type program to study computer science, okay? In a very intensive two month, three month program. I was in the ninth grade, I was actually not even allowed to apply because only for people who were in the 11th grade. Anyway, I applied, um, I got great recommendation letters. I had very good grades. And because I completed calculus, they had to consider me like a senior. So I get accepted, okay? So I get accepted into this elite program, the only dark skinned Indian kid from New Jersey. And at that time, um, and I was at that time, we had, my parents had gone to a new high school called Livingston, New Jersey, which was predominantly all Jewish kids mm -hmm. and Jewish kids, very nice kids. But on the summertime, their parents would send them to Israel and my friends would transform. They'd come back rabid animals wanting to kill every Palestinian. Nice kids, 
they right, come back right. wanting to kill every Palestinian. But one of the philosophies was that only Jewish people could be smart. They're the chosen mm -hmm. people, right? And mm -hmm. me and my sister were only the two Indian kids, dark skinned, there were no blacks, um, right. among 4,000 white kids. All right, so you can imagine the situation there, okay? Right. Um, I, I'd have to work three times harder to get the A, right? And I can tell right. you many, many stories there. Anyway, but I get accepted this program. I graduate that program number one out of 40 kids, mm -hmm. all right? The head of that program was a guy called Henry Mullish, who moved to Israel. And I, uh, several years ago, I went and gave his memorial lecture in Israel. Mm -hmm. So I graduate number one in that class. Now I got to go back to high school. High school is pretty boring. Mm -hmm. I have to take the humanities. Yeah, so I got to go back to high school. I'm in 10th grade and I uh, have to take, I only have humanities courses left. So a very interesting teacher, her name was Stella Oleksiak. She believed in this concept of independent study. Mm -hmm. So she argued with the school administration, fought for me, a fighter. And she said, hey, this guy, he's got no math course. He's going to get bored. And yeah. through my mother, we had found a, a professor in Newark, New Jersey, a very mm -hmm. small medical college um, called Rutgers Medical School, University of Medicine Dentistry at the time. And he was a physicist. He was a young physicist who had come into that university and he was creating a computer lab to use okay. computers for medicine. So um, after we got connected, he looked at me and goes, look, I can give you a job here. I can appoint mm -hmm. you as a research fellow. So at the age of 14, Anthony, I get appointed as a research fellow in a small medical college because they knew I had these computing skills. Not, remember, computers were just new. It was hard to yeah. find computer programmers. So I graduated number one. He didn't mm -hmm. care what my age was. Um, and he gave me this opportunity to work there. Okay. My first job was to write a computer program that mm. could analyze baby sleep patterns. This was a hospital, right? So okay. baby, there was a disease called sudden infant death syndrome where babies suddenly die in their sleep, which actually right. affects a lot of African-American people, okay? Babies. Okay. So at that college, they had access to the best data on looking at baby sleep patterns and when they would stop breathing. So I analyzed those patterns using what you, you would call today AI, and I created mm -hmm. some AI pattern recognition algorithms that okay. can figure this out. And I ended up publishing a paper before I came to MIT, by the way. So while I was doing that, um, the Dr. Michelson gives me another very important challenge. You see, you, you know this, Anthony, anyone over the age of 40 remembers this. Many of the organizations um, in the 1970s or even before, how did they communicate? So if you had a big building, right, right or a big university right. or a big organization, the government, how did people communicate? Well, they had the landline phone. Right. Um, there was no cell phones. So if one office wanted to call another office, they pick up the phone and they do the rotary mm -hmm. dials. Remember those, right? The mm -hmm. other was they had this thing called the inter-office mail system. The inter-office right. mail system. This system was a system that worked using a very important uh, technology called paper. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. You would write something called a memo. So okay. one, yeah. if one doctor wanted to communicate with another doctor, let's say we were going to hire you, mm -hmm. right? I would, Dr. A would go to his secretary and say, he would say, Barbara, take a note. And she'd be on her typewriter. And by the way, on her desk, she had a typewriter. She had something called an inbox where she would receive mails coming in. She had an outbox mm -hmm. where she would put mail that needed to go out. She had another folder called a drafts folder. If she was working on something, mm -hmm. that would be put there. She had big metal folders. You may remember these where you filed stuff. On right. her desk, she also had 
a little thing that dispensed paper clips. She has something called whiteout and she had carbon oh. paper. Okay. Oh, yeah, carbon. Remember this. And she had these envelopes that you put a string on and in the office were these pneumatic tubes that mm -hmm. you would send the letters through to the next office. This was okay. called the inter-office paper-based mail system. Okay. Mm -hmm. Inter-office paper-based mail system. So Dr. A would go to his secretary, Barbara, and he'd say, hey, Barbara, we want to hire Anthony. Take a letter. And he would say mm -hmm. to his boss, dear Dr. B, I would like to hire Anthony. Attached is his resume. So take a paper clip. They'd attach your resume. All right. I would like to hire can. Anthony. And he may do a CC, a carbon copy of that letter to human resources. Okay. Right. And so on. Very complicated system. So the secretary would have to write the letter. After she wrote it, she'd put it in the drafts folder. The doctor would redline it. He'd say, well, you got this wrong spelling mistake here. Change this words. Then she would write the final letter. Because she had to do a carbon copy, she'd have to type that white paper with a piece of carbon paper on another piece of white paper. Right. If she had to do this 10 times, she'd be typing nine times. Okay. Right? Oh, yeah. Right? It was very difficult. They didn't have Xerox machines there yet. Okay? Yeah. So the bottom line is this was a very complicated system, Anthony. Right? And in those days, we had big mainframe computers, and you could send simple messages, text mm -hmm. messages, like texting. But no one had ever taken this entire system, inbox, outbox, folders, BCC, CC, right? The address book, there was little address book groups, 100 different features of the inner office mail system and put it in electronic form. Right. That's what I did. I did that in 50,000 lines of code in a programming language that was designed for math, very difficult, in eight kilobytes of memory. I maybe went to bed always at 2, 3 a.m., um, I did that. I was treated as an equal in, and there was no apartheid in Dr. Michelson's office. There were okay. people 40 years older than me. It was, a, it was an amazing opportunity. And How long did it take to, to do that? To well, the first version, I, first version, I did it in about a year. But, you know, software, you keep adding more features and more features. I, right. I was a software engineer. I was a customer service person. I was a documentation person. Okay. Um, I did all of it. And Dr. Michelson has a very interesting video. He says, you know, one day I gave a talk to about 300 esteemed people, you know, doctors mm -hmm. in their white coats. And it was this 14 year old kid talking about his email system. We deployed it. No one had ever done this before. And I right. named that system email. So I did all mm -hmm. the features, named it email. Um, and the only reason I named it email was because the operating system only allowed five characters, Anthony. It was not an obvious oh. term. Okay. okay. Because, because it was five characters. Yeah, it, it may seem like an obvious term, but I remember seeing it. I go, how do I pronounce it? It's email. Right. It's a weird right. thing. Okay. Did that. And then when I came to MIT in 1981, on the front page of MIT, mm -hmm. um, they had highlighted three students. And I was the student. And they said, we have one student who created this email system. I was invited. I, I got elected student body president, freshman class president. And I was invited to the president's office. The okay. president's house for dinner in December of 1981. And the president at that time was Paul Gray, who was on Reagan Science White House Council. Okay. And Paul Gray had heard about my inventing email. He said, you know, it is really too bad that the legislators in Congress don't understand software. You couldn't mm -hmm. patent software. They sure. thought software was just some paper. But in 1980, which I didn't know, the Computer Act of 1980 was passed, which allowed you to use copyright law to protect software inventions. Okay. It was called okay. Computer Act of 1980. So I, um, I then got the forms, okay, applied for it on August 30th, 
Um, two, I receive the official recognition by the United States government as the inventor of email. It's black and white. So I named it email, yeah. wrote the code, which had all those features and I have the US copyright. The problem is Anthony, I as an Indian kid was brought up to be very humble, not mm -hmm. promote this. And I was really interested in medicine and systems. I was interested in how to fight the system as a kid. I was organizing demonstrations at MIT. Um, I was interested in medicine, you see? So I went from 1981 in and out of MIT, um, earned four degrees, earned them. You know, mm -hmm. I wasn't given them. My papa didn't right. call up uh, MIT and get me in like the Kennedys or all these <laughs> creeps. And I started seven different companies. And in 19, sorry, in 2011, um, when my mom was dying of this horrible disease, in a suitcase, she had saved all of these materials, the code, mm -hmm. the tapes. The senior editor of Time Magazine came to my, um, uh, know this, and he's the one who went through all the material. And he wrote a very big article called "The Man Who Invented Email." Right, I've read that. Then it went into, that. It went into the Smithsonian, and that's when it created a unfortunate, fabricated controversy. This is what these guys do, okay? Mm -hmm. Because during that period where I wasn't promoting the truth, right. the the Zionists and uh, the forces of power, profit, and control had promoted that Raytheon was the inventors of email. Raytheon is a defense company, okay? And mm -hmm. they had a, <clears throat> in 2007, they had hired, or they'd merged with a company where a guy had used the at symbol to okay. send text messages. That's not email, okay? Right, right. That would make right. Samuel Morse, sending text messages between electronic devices is not email. Email is a system, just mm -hmm. like that would make Facebook email, right? Email is a mm -hmm. system that I created. So anyway, um, I was teaching a class at MIT running a company called Cytosolve and all this controversy hits when my stuff goes in the Smithsonian. I'm a fraud. I didn't create email. I'm an asshole. You can see it. And the people who were doing this were these liberal elites mm. who did not want to recognize that a dark-skinned Indian kid invented email before he came to MIT. You see, because this throws off their narrative that you yeah. have to be a white guy who goes to an elite institution and drops out like Bill Gates or Zuckerberg, and then you're anointed as an inventor. The fact is, email was invented by a 14-year-old dark-skinned Indian kid in Newark, New Jersey, where nothing is supposed to come out of. But so did you get any recognition, any, any I, I don't know, money or anything? Yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, so remember, so I didn't make a penny off inventing email. I made money doing other things because right. copyright law does not give you royalties, okay? Right because it doesn't protect design. But in 2016, when all this vitriol took place, I won a major lawsuit, won a million dollars and um, nearly a million dollars and three of those defamatory articles were pulled down. But again, the Zionist media never wanted to cover that, you see? Because right. the whole notion here is the concept of the caste system, right? Okay. We have a caste system now in the United States that after you go to MIT, after you go to Harvard, mm -hmm. then you're in the club or after you're at Yale, and then you can you can be a dumb shit, but then you get recognition. The problem they have with me, Anthony, is that I went to MIT, and I was <laughs> one of the best graduates out of there, but I created email before I came to MIT. Right, so this is right. a serious problem for them, because I have seen both sides. I, I, you know, by the way, a 14-year-old boy is the one who invented TV, Philo Farnsworth. The reality okay. is that great innovations come from outside of their institutions of power, but they always have to, they always have to anoint they, they think they get the choice to decide who is smart and who isn't. It's a form of casteism, racism, right? Elitism. Is, is, is it worse now? 
and I guess politically it's worse or, or socially it's worse, even though we had a black president, okay? And some people say Bill Clinton, but even though we got through those changes, is it, is it better or worse or the same? Well, 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 it's a great question. I think what's happened, Anthony's, you're asking a great question. What's happened is unless people build bottoms up movements and fight for their rights, we don't have these freedoms just because we have them. They can easily go away. Yeah. So I would argue it's become worse because we have consolidation of technology and power that within a microsecond, I could say, Anthony is this or that. And I can destroy your character, assassinate you like never before, right? So that's what's happened. We have consolidation of power as never before. We now have a global caste system. That's what we have. A global caste system, a multiracial aristocracy. That's what we have right now. Before it was just one race or one group of people, you could say subjugating the world like, like the British Empire. But now we have a global caste system, blacks, white, brown, yellow people, we're part of the swarm, as I call it, who control people globally for one interest, for power, profit, control. That's why the movement you know, that we've created, Truth, Freedom, Health, is a global movement. You know, My running for president here is just one part of that movement. But we need a global movement that awakens people to understand these systems of power, how they work. And there's a science behind it, Anthony. So that's what, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm committed to educating people on right now, that mm -hmm. system of power. That's one part, the curriculum, and then mobilizing people bottoms up and making sure people get on the ground. One of the key things you know, that we have done with our run for president is we are giving people the opportunity um, to become volunteers. If you notice throughout this discussion, I've not once said, give me money, right. donate to my campaign, right? right? What we want people to do is to volunteer. So, you know, people go to... Um, shivaforpresident.com, right? Let me take, mm -hmm. take you here. I wanna show you the critical thing that everyone can do and that highlights our campaign. So people go to shivaforpresident.com, right? Uh -huh. First thing is one people to volunteer, but there's a section here on the right called free downloads. And what we want people to do is to recognize what's really going on, right? And if you look at this flyer that we have here, Anthony, anyone can download this. And we want people to print this out on their local printers, go to your public library, and what this, this is sort of the core messaging of what we're saying. The lesser of two evils, or even the quote unquote fake independence like Booby fucking Kennedy are killing our children. So the core messaging is this. And by the way, this curve is probably even worse for African-Americans. But this red line is since 1980, the US life expectancy is going down. It's an upside down umbrella. See that? Yeah, yeah. Right, so this is what's going on. But this is because of policies. So the average, so if you have a child today, your child is gonna have a shorter lifespan than you. And the, the rest of the world is also gonna start going down like this, okay? Wow. Right? So it is the policies, Anthony, of the swarm, as, as I call it, of the left and the right, Democrats and the fake independents, right? And what we need is we need a systems overhaul. If you think voting once every two or four years is gonna change something, you need to have your head checked. Right, All yeah. of that, since 1960, and the Kennedys were really behind this Kissinger have created a system which is about destroying the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's what's happened. And it's not going to change by some voting for somebody. So my run is about building a movement. And then you see who is a swarm. People can go on this flyer. They can go check out this great swarm video I did in about 15 minutes. And then we give the solution. So the left side's a problem. 
And the right side is we need to shatter the swarm. There, you know, I'll, I'll perhaps play our campaign video before I leave. And then how everyone can get educated, right? And then we invite people to come to our town hall. Every Thursdays, we have a town hall. And at our town hall, we teach people how we're going to get real health care to strengthen the immune system. I teach that to people. Okay. How do we really support the environment? How do we get education for our kids? What is innovation, governance? And each one of these, I actually give the solution at our to our town hall. I teach people how you can strengthen your immune system. I teach people how you can protect the environment, eat locally and healthy on a budget. I teach people how your kids can start to think again. There's a, it's through system thinking. I teach people how they can become an innovator. I teach people how you should identify who's a good leader or a bad leader. And then we teach people how to basically balance their checkbook on a level, meaning what is the difference between yeah. a profit and loss statement, a cash flow statement, and a uh, balance sheet. 99% of people don't even know these three important financial things. So but how much of that also should be from um, parents or even schools? You know, because let's say you're going to, you're about to graduate from 12th grade. And there may be some schools, depending where you're at, that don't even tell you how, how to balance a, a budget, how to get a job. And there are so many discrepancies in the inner city, which a lot of people don't want to talk about. And then also in the suburbs, you know, so like I was saying before, at the top of the show, we're talking about the war. African-American community, they're pretty much, how does this affect me? Okay. And is that because politicians out there who are supposed to be in their community aren't really doing their job to help people out? Why is it that most people, African-Americans, they don't believe in, in, in voting because they're like, well, because they're you know, smart. Because they're absolutely intelligent. They're very smart. By the way, I just want to let everyone know, Thursdays at 11 a.m., Anthony, if you can come, and at 8 p.m. Thursdays is like a 20-hour day for me. I okay. do. We do a town hall. And by the way, I'm the only presidential candidate who actually talks to people directly. We take on questions. We do it every week, okay? So at 11 a.m., people can come. And at 8 p.m. again, I do it because we have a global community. Um, okay. But let me answer this question. Look, um, you asked who I admired, you know, the last sort of real black leader I identified was identified with or for world leader was Malcolm X. You know, had Malcolm not been executed, the world would be very, very different in my view. OK, he was not a poverty mm -hmm. pimp. Most of these black misleaders are all poverty pimps. You know, uh, Al Sharpton being an example of one right. of them. Right. Um, okay. So the unfortunate situation of black people in the United States right now is they have no leadership. Um, among the black community, but our movement is educating many, many leaders right now. You know, mm -hmm. we are, but you see a movement cannot be built Anthony without understanding the physics, right? There's a science to building a movement, just like there's a science to making an iPhone. There's a science to doing everything. So it took me about 40 years to understand this dynamics. So first thing we do is we teach people this foundational science. Then we want people to get on the ground because social media is completely controlled by the elites. They, since the passage of CISA, I mean, I used to get 20, 30,000 retweets when I do a tweet, I get 20 now, okay? Or a hundred. Okay. Because what's happened is in 2020, you know, my popularity, my visibility exploded because I was the first one to expose the COVID scam. I was the right. first one to do the fire Fauci campaign. And they, and, but the problem was I'm independent. I can't be right. controlled. They said, shit, this guy's getting way too much visibility. So they threw me off Twitter. And when I got back on Twitter, the another scumbag, Elon Musk, 
The guy's mm -hmm. never really created anything, okay? He's a puppet of Zionism. Um, where Elon Musk begins and where, where, where government ends, nobody knows, okay? Right. Space right. funded by government. Tesla funded by government. Twitter supported by government. All these things. So when I got back on Twitter in, in late 2022, you know, I did a tweet. I said, Elon, why don't you make me your CEO? You know, I invented mm -hmm. email. That went viral. It got 20 million views. And then I started exposing Elon for being one with government because he still has not taken down that backdoor portal. Right. And after that, my views went down precipitously from 500,000 views per day down to 5,000 because they do not want me being visible to the broad masses of people. They will put Kennedy out there because he's a mm -hmm. fake bullshitter. Okay. He's right. a bullshitter. They will so put they any, any mainstream media that accepts you or? No, they're not going to accept me. Now, I, you know, yeah. They figured me out, Anthony. There's no way there'd be suicide for them. If mm -hmm. I imagine me being on mainstream media talking about death to Zionism and why we need to arm the Palestinians and what I would do, because people, right. the vast majority of black people, probably most black people, and the vast mm -hmm. majority of Americans do not want to vote anymore because they know it's a scam, and they they're actually the smart ones. But it so, makes it hard to have like honest to goodness because I I did when I was running, I did you know home visits and everything, and you would hear from people well. Nobody ever comes to our house. We don't even know who's in, in office. And I tell right. people, all you got to do is one thing extra as a politician or whatever to make a difference. Because most people, they don't do anything. And all you got to do is just one thing different. Show up to their house, do a job there. Don't just be unopposed or when it's election time, you just know you're getting in, whether it's a small town or, you know, across the country. Yeah. So let's talk about solutions. Anthony, as we mm -hmm. look, I have a solution. It's took me 50 years to figure out how to destroy uh, this evil. Okay. And the only way to destroy evil is it comes down to the individual raising their consciousness. You and I mm -hmm. are one or two people. Um, but the issue is what, what do I mean by that raising their consciousness? The only way to raise people's consciousness is to recognize our physical laws, which run every system in the universe. And these physical laws can be applied to your body. They can be applied to politics. They can be applied to anything. And I, um, with all humility, yes, I invented email, invented many other things, but I think my greatest contribution, um, history will show, will be that I uncovered these laws. No different than the laws that you can use to build an airplane, to build a motor, to build a transistor. There are nine principles, Anthony, that govern every system in the universe. And I used to teach them at MIT. And these principles have been around for tens of thousands of years. The elites learn these principles. And using those principles, Anthony, you asked me about technology, right? You can use technology for liberation or you can use it for oppression. Yeah. And the elites learn these principles and they use it for power, profit, control. And my mission is to educate as many people as we can and create a global movement with mm -hmm. a bottoms-up movement. doesn't mean you don't have leaders, but you... Facilitate leaders, a global movement for truth, freedom, health. And that's what we've created. And um, we've made it accessible to all people. But my running for president is a part of that movement. But once people understand, one person who understands the physics of these laws becomes a very potent person, no different than a nuclear physicist. So right. it's not, we don't, we don't, we're not here to convince people. We're here to find those people who are moving along their journey and want mm -hmm. this last piece of knowledge, which makes them very, very powerful beings in their neighborhoods so they can become leaders and galvanize people. Because once you understand the dynamics of how the elites control people, 
we can use that same knowledge, technology for advancing truth, freedom, health. So, so now when you're not doing all this, what do you do for fun? What do I do for it, fun? Yeah. Uh, well, I have two dogs, you know? Okay. Uh, I, I love animals. And okay. I love actually uh, staying in pretty good shape, you know? I love sports. I enjoy, okay. uh, uh, you know, I enjoy, I enjoy really doing a lot of athletic stuff and building the body and the mind. So that's what I enjoy doing. I love visiting a lot of places, you know? I uh, wish I had more time. Um, mm -hmm. I uh, have visited, I went to recently in March, I went to an, an island called Sardinia. Um, okay. I was, Sardinia is a place where it has a, a, the highest per capita of people living over 100 in the world. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so it's called the Blue Zone and people, um, and because of my interest in medicine, I also mm -hmm. went there and there, so if you look at Sardinia, it's this island that looks like, an, you know, sort of an egg shape. Mm -hmm. In the middle right part, the seacoast part of that egg, is um, a place called Oliastra where people live over 100 years ago, the most per capita. And okay. so I was very curious what they ate, the kind of things they do. What emerges is the reason that people live the longest, um, uh, the, the reason that people live the longest is because of community. Very fascinating. Social okay. relationships. Because when you have close bonds and you feel secure, your body yeah. has a set of genes called CTRA1 genes, which are suppressed. Mm -hmm. And when they're not suppressed and you're angst and you're stressful and you don't have good social relationships, those genes will create um, um, inflammatories in your body. They will cause aging. They will destroy your oh, immune wow. system. So okay. it is, it's not the foods that, yes, food is important. Yes, exercise is important. But the number one reason people live long is they have communities. You know, they have uh, their church groups, right? People they can right. trust. And right. all of those things have been destroyed because the elites want people fighting woke versus anti-woke, right? Transgender sure. versus moral gender. They create all this nonsensical things, but they do not want the real fight taking place, which is us versus them, Anthony. They do yeah, not I, want the 8 billion taking on the 0.01% of Zionism, which destroys the rest of us. Yeah. And that's that's yeah. why I think if America wants to be on the right side, you have to look at it. And I, I have to be very bold in saying this, but we're on the wrong side of history in Israel. We have to, mm -hmm. if we want to send military aid, send military aid to the Palestinians. If we believe yeah. in the Second Amendment, you know, arm the Palestinians. Because Zionism is racism in the service of imperialism. It has nothing to do with being American. It has not, it's in fact right. anti-Semitic. And that's what we need to wake people up to. We have an important opportunity right now to educate people. Like, here's a cl clear line. Are you on the side of Zionism, which is racist, anti-American, right. anti-human? Or are you on the side of wanting to defeat Zionism. That's the red line to me. And it's kind of like when I read the man in the arena thing, when you're, when you're out there and you're, you're on your own and um, you ever get to a point where every now and then you say, well, why am I doing this? Well, uh, I know why I'm doing this. When I, uh -huh. I'm reminded of that 12 year old kid being in that train station, you know, where I see mm -hmm. my grandparents crying and they have nothing and the working class people I grew up with in a lot of immigrants who I grew up in New Jersey worked their butts off. So I actually think about, if anything, how we can defeat these people faster and sooner, Anthony. That's when mm -hmm. that's what I think about a lot. And I that's why I think, um, you know, in addition to inventing email and Cytosol and mm -hmm. getting all my degrees, you know, I think the invention of Truth, Freedom, Health will be my greatest contribution because it's a global movement that enables people to become their own leaders and to get educated or we're going to be enslaved. 
But once you understand the science of systems, Anthony, it becomes very easy right. to realize that you don't want to be played. It becomes easy to see what a scumbag, what an evil human being Robert F. Kennedy is. Here's a guy who calls for the butchering of the Palestinians. Yeah. Right? And yeah. meanwhile, all these people think he's out to save us. Or Tulsi Gabbard, who was all about invading Iraq. Right? So they have people like Tulsi Gabbard. And these are satanic people because they are the true Satans because people think, oh, Booby Kennedy, he's fighting for me. No, he isn't. He's devil yeah. incarnate. Situations so the, more we, the, light. Yeah. the more we educate people on who the real satanic people are, that's when change is going to come, right? That's why they didn't want Malcolm. You see, the reason they executed Malcolm X was he was the real deal. He needed to be executed because they were fine people having a, a martyr like Martin Luther King. I have a dream. Who the fuck right. cares about a dream? Many people are at the I have a dream speech wondering, I don't want a dream. I want reality. It should yeah, be I want reality. I want reality. Not I want I have a dream. So um, that's where we're at. We're at a very, very critical point, And I'm the only viable presidential candidate, the only one mm -hmm. who has consistently fought my entire life against these people. My credentials are out there, not only educationally, my credentials right. as an engineer, as an American. Right. But my credentials of fighting these people. And that's why Americans have a big choice right now. And my winning, our winning, Anthony, will be is really not about me. It's really about everyone getting educated, because the only way someone like me could win is because right. if we create a movement and if we raise consciousness. And and I have about four minutes left. So tell people how they can um, join your movement and everything. Yeah, I, mean, I will. I will play a video, you know, you know, our campaign video. But number one. In order to join the movement, what I recommend people do is, first of all, become a volunteer, okay? Go to shiva4president.com and volunteer to become a part of this uh, campaign. And when you volunteer, what I want to recommend people is, here's the website. Um, there's a little volunteer button because we need to get on the ballot in every state, as do the other candidates, but you have to collect signatures. So you can go right mm -hmm. here and you can volunteer. The other thing is, if you want to donate, be very clear that when you give me something, I give you back books, I give you courses. Um, I give them the entire Truth Freedom Health program, Anthony, because I want people to get educated, all right? But you don't have to donate, all right? The other mm -hmm. thing that people can do, again, it's cost-free, is go to the free download section and download this flyer, print it out. We want to get about 100 million of this distributed all over the world because this gets down to what the problem is and what the solution is. And then the other thing, Anthony, people can do if they really want to get educated, they can become part of the Truth Freedom Health Movement. And the Truth Freedom Health Movement will teach people, will give people the foundational training of what they need if they want to become real scholars and understand the dy dynamics of the system. And when people contribute, we support people's educational, uh, it's Anthony there, with that. So, but the key thing is Anthony, we need volunteers. So people should go to Shiva numero four president.com volunteer uh, people globally want to support the larger movement, go to truthfreedomhealth.com, become a warrior scholar, get educated. And we, our model is a learn, teach and serve model. Anthony, people learn, then we make sure they teach other people and they get on the ground and serve. It's not okay. enough. Oh, thank you, Dr. Shiva for this knowledge. Right. Then they move on. Uh, -uh. that's only, mm -hmm. you're not, you're actually being a parasite if you do that. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they learn and then they teach which is good. Yes. And, and for kids, we want, you know, I went to India about two years ago and I gave the entire program to around 1500 kids in, in a village school. So we want kids mm -hmm. to learn how to think, not what to think, but how to think. 
So okay. the action call for people is go to truthforhealth.com, become a warrior scholar, go to Shiva for president, volunteer, 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 get that flyer and hand it out to as many people as you can, because you can go door to door. You can talk to your neighbors. Mm -hmm. You can tell them, look, they're killing your children. That's what they're literally doing. Yeah. And if you yeah. don't care about that, well, then go join Zionists because they're killing children right now in Gaza. Hmm. So we, we've had on the program Dr. Shiva, who is running for president of the United States. Um, very enthused, very energetic young man. Also created um email. And there's a, we, we're going to do another show to talk about your upbringing and some of this other stuff, that the, the health, the spiritual, the political. And um, so hopefully you'll join us back too. Yeah, Anthony, Anthony thank, thank you very much for your thoughtful comments and your questions. Um, and to those okay. people listening, I'll just put the banner of what we talked about uh, today is America's on the wrong side and we need to arm the Palestinians. America is a military machine. Let's arm the right people right now. If you want to arm people and you want to give military aid, you know, what Biden is doing right now is just giving some crumbs, act like we care. You know, why don't you give these people weapons to fight Zionism? That's what we need. And on, and on that, you've been watching... Yours truly, keeping it honest with Anthony Parker Alexander. Tell your friends, share, like, and continue to support the people who we have on this show. You may not like whatever we have, but at the end of that day, hopefully you're respected. I'm Anthony Parker. Keep your head up. Never look down. Always believe in yourself. And therein will lie your answer. Thank you again, Dr. Sheehan. Thank you, Anthony. As we check out, I'm just going to play our video for people, and you can cut it later. Thank you, okay. everyone. Be well, be the light. And this is our campaign video. Um, Everyone support Anthony, support what he's doing, keeping it honest, and we'll be back, Anthony. But here's our uh, video, which hopefully will inspire people. Who would have ever thought I'd be running for president of the United States of America? I was born a low-caste untouchable in India's caste system, a system of aristocracy, oppression, and racism. My name is Dr. Shiva Ayadure. I'm an MIT PhD, a Fulbright scholar, a scientist, engineer, entrepreneur, and inventor. My family and I left India to come to America on my seventh birthday. I grew up in the working-class neighborhoods of New Jersey, playing baseball, mowing lawns, painting houses, and coding software. My friends and neighbors are Blacks, Italians, Irish, people of all races. As a 14-year-old, I wrote 50,000 lines of software code to create the world's first email system, and was awarded the first U.S. copyright for email, recognizing me as its official inventor at a time when copyright was the only way to protect software inventions. I did that long before I ever came to MIT revealing that big innovations can occur anytime, any place, by anybody. Growing up, I saw politicians dividing us by race and religion in both America and India to have us fighting each other while they remained safe in their gated communities and in their playgrounds of Hollywood, Martha's Vineyard, and Silicon Valley. I'm a fighter. I fought racism and exposed their imperialist wars, fought for workers, and put my life on the line against global corruption. I never wanted to run for political office. All that changed when I saw working Americans as never before being duped by the establishment and the not-so-obvious establishment. Across left and right, we were being sold out and made to forget why we came to America and why America existed. Lawyers, academics, billionaires, celebrities and politicians, elites, Clintons, Kennedys, Bidens, Obamas, Bushes, black and white have hijacked America. They printed trillions for their friends. They delivered crumbling infrastructure, corruption and racism. They've transferred trillions to themselves, dividing black and white, fear-mongering and fake science, lockdowns and censorship, dirty air, food and water, pushing drugs upon us, making us sicker. We've been sold out. One set of rules for them and another for us. We deserve a warrior with a history of courage in putting everything on the line for you, who believes in you, not them. 
who has created a movement bottoms up for truth, freedom, health. I've exposed their lies at the right time, never waiting until it was popular. I've exposed their false gods who exist to lead you back to them. I've exposed their fake science of lockdowns and masking and provided you solutions to fight them and win and protect your immune system, saving millions. I exposed Fauci, galvanized the fire Fauci campaign when others remained silent. When they stole our election, we sued the government and Twitter in our historic 2020 federal lawsuit, exposing in bare view the government and big tech censorship infrastructure, the unholy alliance between government and social media companies. Where was Elon and his grifters? They stood by the sidelines and did nothing. They did not use their megaphones to help us when it could have made a big difference. Now our movement grows for truth, freedom, health, independent of all of them. Every day millions are learning the science of systems, the knowledge the elites do not want you to have, so you may learn how to think, stand up, and fight, independent of the establishment of left and right and their fake heroes. Now it's time for you to join the movement to win back America, to win back truth, win back freedom, win back your health. That's why I'm running for President of the United States. This race is about you. This race is about truth, freedom, health versus power, profit, control. We've had enough. They think we'll fall in line and vote again for their lawyers, celebrities, billionaires, and chosen ones from above. We choose our heroes from below, from the rank and file who do what is right at the right time, not when it's convenient and popular. They can never represent us. What America needs is a movement by the working people, for the working people, who are educated, organized, decentralized, and fight for independence from their systems of control. And that movement exists. It's ready for you. We don't need them. We need us to go bottoms up, neighbor to neighbor. My journey, your journey are all the same. It's our time. It's time we had one of us. It's time to win back truth, freedom, health, to win back America, be part of this historic movement all the way to our victory on November 5th, 2024. If you're an American citizen, pledge your vote now for Dr. Shivaya Duray, the independent candidate for U.S. president. No matter where you live, you can be a part of this. Volunteer as little as 20 minutes a day. Don't delay. This is Dr. Shivaya Duray, and I approve this message. Paid for by Dr. Shiva for president. All right, everyone, this is Dr. Shiva. Um, I just want to let everyone know that the today's talk was America is on the wrong side and we need to arm the Palestinians. And I say this uh, not lightly, but America sends a lot of military aid, but we're sending the military aid to the wrong people on the wrong side. Um, but go to shivaforpresident.com, uh, support this campaign, download, but start educating people on what Zionism is, have people start watching this body of videos that we've uh, put together. Thank you, be well, be the light. John, you can stay on.